Go to your, in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, please. Chapter 11. For those of you that are new or newer or just forget on a weekly basis what I'm doing up here, um, we are in the book of Hebrews. And we've been working our way through the book of Hebrews and we finally hit Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we started last week. Famous chapter and uh, um, we are in chapter 11 and we will be here for a number of weeks because there's a ton of stuff here and uh, if you didn't bring your bible don't no sweat uh, we've got the verses up on the screen hopefully today i think we do and uh but uh and if you don't have a bible by some chance we would love to give you one free of charge just let me know and we'll get you a bible otherwise bring it and uh i love to hear those pages rustling under the thumb of of people that have their Bibles on Sunday morning, but uh, we do have the verses up top, so you're good there. Father God, thank you for uh, the Word of God that is living and powerful and sharp as a two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Thank you that we studied that verse a number of months ago, and it's in this book, and thank you for the promise that your word will not return void. So now, Lord, we ask for a supernatural, continue to ask for supernatural moments. We've had it in worship. Thank you for the wonderful worship team that was up here this morning that led us. Thank you for uh, these parents of our children. Thank you for the search team. Thank you for the word. Fill us up with the good bread of the word, Lord, and, uh, and just hit us where we live because we all come in with different stuff, but your word can apply to each one of us. Um, we might need to be scolded and challenged. We might need to be comforted and nurtured or both. Just take charge now, Lord, and use your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you're a student of missions or know anything about missions, you've probably heard uh, the name Hudson Taylor. Anybody have ever heard the name Hudson Taylor as a missionary? He's famous if you, in, the, in the history of missions. One of the greatest missionaries in history, really lived and, and ministered in China in, during the 1800s. And there's a story told about him, and I want to read it to you to start uh, what we're going to talk about today. When Hudson Taylor first went to China, he was on a, a sailing vessel, and their vessel had come very close to the shore of what was called the Cannibal Islands. Well, just by that name, it makes you want to stay away from those islands, right? Okay? The Cannibal Islands. And the ship was caught in a calm. Normally we think ships are caught in a storm. This one was caught in a calm. There was no wind whatsoever. So this, this ship is drifting towards these islands filled with cannibals. And uh, they, it, it, according to whoever told the story, they, they could see the savages and they were eagerly anticipating a good feast for dinner. Anyway, the captain of the, the ship came to Hudson Taylor and asked him to pray to God for help. And Taylor said, I will pray for help, provided you set your sails to catch the breeze. The captain declined to make him, because he didn't want to be a laughing stock to the rest of the passengers and crew on the ship. You know, you're pulling up your sails when there's no wind, and he didn't want to make a fool of himself in a dead calm. And Hudson Taylor said, okay, if you're not going to put up your sails, I'm not going to pray. He says here, quote, I will not undertake to pray for the vessel unless you will prepare the sails. And so the captain said, hmm, I better put the sails up because we're about to become dinner for some people. So while Hudson Taylor is in prayer, there's a knock at the door of his room. 
in the, in the ship. Who's there, Taylor asked, and it, he said, it's the captain. Are you still praying for wind? And Hudson Taylor said, yes, and the captain said, well, you better stop praying. We have more wind than we can manage. That's faith. Hudson Taylor had faith in what was unseen and yet was going to happen. That's a great definition of faith. That's what faith is. It's, it's, and it's where we started last week as we entered this great chapter on faith called Faith's Hall of Fame or, or, or God's uh, members of God's Hall of Faith. It's all about faith, okay? And we started last week and I wanted to put the cookies on the bottom shelf last week and talk about what faith is because it tells us right here in Hebrews chapter 11, one, now faith is. So we're given a definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were uh, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then down to verse six it says, for without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if we want to live a life of faith, and God wants us to, and I can say this without any hesitation, God wants you and I to reap the benefits of a life of faith or living a faith life. God wants us to reap those benefits. It's, and in the most sacred way I know how to say it, living the faith life is one of the funnest things that I've ever done in my life. And one of the most fulfilling things in my life is starting to learn how to live the faith life or live by faith. To watch God fulfill his promises as I exercise faith. Sometimes right away, sometimes not for a long time. But God is always true to his word, amen? And it's really encouraging. God, when you go through life right now and it, it just seems like you know, you're getting hammered here or hammered there, and then you see how God comes through for you. It's just such an energizing thing. And God wants us to live a life of faith. So. How do you do that? Well, last week you talked about we need to understand the meaning of faith and the members of the God's hall of faith, which is what we're starting to do today. And we need to understand the foundational principle of faith is that God can create anything out of nothing in one word. Then we need to understand the necessity of faith that uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. And then finally, we need to understand how to activate faith in our lives. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and he is a warrior of them that diligently seek him. Now, now we come today to the first member of God's Hall of Faith. There's 27 of them named and then a bunch not named. And um, we start with the first one today, and it's Abel. Okay, and I just, I like good sermon titles, and I, I run them by my wife because she protects me. Okay? Because sometimes my titles are really lame or really dumb or really off the wall. And I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to call this Are You Able? You know, and. She says, cutesy, too cutesy. And I said, okay, maybe not. Are you able or are you able or not? But you know what's true? Are we Abel's or are we Cain's? That's kind of the background question I want you to think. Am I an Abel or am I a Cain? So I've changed my, my, my title at the recommendation of my very wise and loving wife, and I think I'll call it Abel, the first example of faith. Why would God put Abel number one on the hit list for faith people? Well, that's what we're going to find today. And I hope that you take it with you and enjoy this and apply it because it's really, really important. 
So why is Abel such a great example of faith? You know, it's funny how sometimes the scriptures lay things out so, so clearly, it's, you can't do anything else but say what they say. Look at verse four as we start God's hall of faith. Three things, just boom, boom, boom. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did, number one. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, number two. And then number three, by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. So God laid out this sermon just the way he wanted us to hear it, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So just in the back of your mind, am I able? Am I able? I don't wanna be a Cain, but am I able? Or am I stuck in neutral? You don't wanna be stuck in neutral. You wanna be an able, not a Cain. Okay, the first reason that Abel was such a great example of faith is that Abel, it just says, I'm just repeating what the scripture's saying, no fancy alliterations or anything like that. Abel worshiped God with a better sacrifice of faith. Abel worshiped God with a better sacrifice of faith. Better in caps, better, B-E-T-T-E-R, a better sacrifice of faith. That's in verse four, first part. Now, in order, us to, in order for us, rather, to get really into this, we gotta read the story, okay? So we're gonna do that. Only 12 verses. It's in the book of Genesis. And starts in chapter four, verse one. So if you would go there in your Bibles or, read, or just follow along uh, after me as I read it. Adam lay with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel bought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so, that's the story. So what makes Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's? More uh, focused on you and I, what makes Abel's sacrifice so good? How come he could be called a man of faith? Okay, two reasons. Some people say uh, that it was because of the type of offering that Abel bought in contrast to Cain's. Abel bought a sacrifice that took a, the shedding of blood, a blood sacrifice, um, required by God uh, for atonement. It's a lot like what God did for uh, Abel's parents. When they sinned, God slew animals and covered them with animal skin. It was a sacrifice of blood, if you will, okay? One person put it this way, quote, though it's not mentioned in the text, it's implied that God made known his requirement for the kind of offering expected in authentic worship, an offering of blood, offered humbly in faith 
depended on God's grace. That's what Abel did. And they say, well, that's what the text means, that Abel brought a sacrifice of blood. But Cain chose to do things his own way by offering the fruit of his labors, his own labors, and his offering was rejected by God. So they say it's the type of offering. Cain bought vegetables and fruits and all that kind of stuff, and Abel bought an animal sacrifice. Now, I think that could be a true and valid point, but after studying this pretty intensively over the week, I think that we could take another perspective too, and this is what I want to say about that. I think Hebrews 4, going back to Hebrews chapter 4, and, or excuse me, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 4, I think we, we focus in on the word better, okay? So I want, to, I want you to go back to Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. And I think there's something else here besides just the type of offering. I think that Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain because Abel's sacrifice came from the what? Came from the what, everybody? The heart. Everybody. Heart. It came from his heart. It came from the inside of Abel. Cain's sacrifice came from the outside of Cain. Abel's sacrifice came from the inside of Abel. And everybody here, God wants us to live our lives and bring the sacrifice of our lives and our words and everything about us coming from the inside, not the outside. The inside, not the outside, okay? He wants our lives and our sacrifices for him, our worship to him to come from within us, from the spirit, not from the flesh, okay? That's what I think it's, it's talking about here, me personally. Cain was a farmer, Abel was a shepherd. Abel bought an animal sacrifice, Cain brought the, the vegetables, the fruits. I don't think it was the type of sacrifice. It's, it's kind of from the environment where they lived, but I think it was from the inside, as we shall see here in a few moments. And I think the difference with Abel, Abel's sacrifice was full of faith, and Cain's sacrifice was just full of self. And I want to challenge you this morning, when you go out into your world, and you all have a world outside of this worship area, you're going into. When you go out into your world as we go out living with a sacrifice of faith and not of self, amen? Now what does it mean? What's the difference? Again, Abel's was sincere, it was honest, it was heartfelt, it was from the spirit, not the flesh. Cain was just the opposite. Let me talk about Abel just a little bit more. I think that Abel knew God personally and I don't think Cain did. As much as a person could be saved in the Old Testament, and I think they could in lieu of Christ's sacrifice that covered all of time, I think Abel knew God personally. He had a genuine relationship with God, not just an outward one. I don't think Cain was a true believer, and his attitude and his actions kind of showed that. Abel did it God's way. Cain did it his way. That's humanity in a nutshell, as we'll hear in the conclusion of the message. But I think Cain, or Abel rather, offered his sacrifice and his life in faith, okay? He had a good heart attitude towards God. When he came to God with his offering and his worship, 
in his life. It was sincere and honest and humble and trusting and obedient in faith, while Cain's was half-hearted, hypocritical, superficial, self-centered, uncommitted, perfunctory. I mean, doing this because I have to do it. Church is on Sunday. Oh, well, I'll go. What would people say if I didn't, you know? And I think he was just an uncommitted guy that did things just as ritual and habit. For God and our spiritual lives, the right heart attitude is what really matters and what God wants from each of us. I think the most important question that we can ask when we get up in the morning, besides what kind of cereal am I going to have today, the most important question is, Am I living my life in Christ from the heart or am I just going to go through the motions? That's the difference. Eugene Peterson got it right in the message which says, quote, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's good. The difference was faith. Cain may have been going through the right motions, but not with the right motive. I want to be an Abel, not a Cain. I want to be authentic. I want to live my Christian life from the inside out, not the outside in. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way, Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. I think we need to ask this every morning. Will the offering of my life and, and the worship of my life this day be rejected by God because it's from the outside in or will it be accepted by God because it's from the inside out by the Holy Spirit? I think, you know, I know something. I think that is 90% of what we ought to get out of our daily devotionals. Am I going inside out or outside in? Okay, back to Wearsby. God isn't interested in routines and rituals. He wants relationships. Abel's faith in God developed into a genuine love and reverence for God, which in turn translated into an acceptable sacrifice of heartfelt worship. That's what it means to live in faith, and that's why Abel's number one on the hit list, okay? Because Abel was purely motivated. And God wants pure motivation almost more than anything else. What did uh, it say in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24? It says, God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. And that's how we need to worship him and give our lives to him each day in spirit and in truth. In other words, God longs for those who worship him continually throughout life with the complete devotion of their human mind, emotions, and will, not just as a boring, ritualistic pattern of life. I think if you want to go to the mountaintop verse on this, you got to go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Make your life a sacrifice. 
It's not the type of sacrifice, it's the motive and desire behind the sacrifice. You know, Jesus made a big deal about how we live for God, whether it's from the inside or the outside. I remember his words in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8 to the religious leaders. Let me, let me read that to you, Matthew 15, verse 8. Jesus is, I hate to say this, but he's excoriating the religious leaders. And this is what he said about them. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. We need to constantly ask ourselves this question. Am I coming to God in my life and worship saved and sincere in my Christian life like Abel or unsaved and or selfish, sour, superficial, ritualistic, and half-hearted like Cain? Now I want to go look at that in two ways and then we'll go to our second of three points. First of all, is our worship Monday through Saturday uh, from the inside out or the outside in? Are we, Monday through Saturday, coming to God in our life and worship, sincere, from the heart, with pure motives, wanting to serve him? And that's a question we need to ask every day. That's why we need to get into the word of God every day and get into prayer every day so that we have a heart attitude of worship. I guarantee you, if we're not regularly in God's word and regularly into prayer, we're gonna go from the outside in like Cain, not from the inside out like Abel. But then I wanna talk about Sunday mornings too. Sunday mornings, how is our worship on Sunday morning? Is it like Cain? You know, just a ritual from the outside in, not the inside out. You know. I was thinking about that this week and I thought, you know, for me, Sunday morning starts Saturday night. If I try to start Sunday morning on Sunday morning, it's a losing proposition for me. So what I do on Saturdays, first, especially Saturday mornings, I pray for protection over Debbie and me because we have had our most um, pleasant tiffs. How's that? No, I'll just say it. We, we have had our, 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 the most of our disagreements Saturday night. Guess who is instigating that? The devil. And you will find with your wife or family or just yourself alone, you will have probably the most opposition to having a good Sunday morning on Saturday night. And so I pray for protection, and God always gives it. And then I pray this. God, help me to focus on the words that we're singing Help me not to drift, because I'm a drifter, and help me to focus and sing them and enjoy them and prepare myself for, for uh, my sermon with good worship, and he does. Is that how we're living? Is that, are we living during the week from the inside out? Just as a dead ritual like Cain, or are we living the week like Abel with better sacrifice of sincerity to God and then getting ready for Sunday to do that. That's what it means to come to God in faith. And it's pleasing to God. That's why Abel was such a great example of faith. He came to God with a sincere heart and pure motives. 
And that's a question we need to ask ourselves every single day. What does Jeremiah tell us? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? <laughs> we need to be in the word and prayer because our hearts, our flesh, I should say, is what he meant, the principle of sin in our bodies. They're deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need to be before the Lord each day and get ready for Sunday. That's the first reason why Abel was such a great example of faith. And then the second reason we're given here is Abel was a great example of faith because Abel, uh, by, it says by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Abel was commended by God for his righteous life. Commended by God. God saw Abel's heart and was pleased with his motives and character. More than that, he was commended for being a righteous man or uh, what you could literally define that as being a right living man. A right living man. Okay? Jesus talks about Abel in the Gospels and calls him righteous Abel in Matthew chapter uh, 23. Verses 35. The point is this. Non-working, fruitful faith or fruitless faith is not faith at all. Faith is only faith when we are right living people like Abel. James tells us faith without works is dead. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying by faith, he was commended as a right living man. It's really what you could define it as literally saying, when God spoke well of his offerings. And the implication here is that Cain's faith was a non-working, fruitless faith, even though, get this guys, he brought a bunch of fruit and vegetables. He brought it and it looked sort of okay, but it was fruitless. Okay? And specifically, we know this because Cain's life was marked by evil deeds, while Abel's is just the opposite. What does it mean to be a right living Christian? Well, there's a verse, or a verse says, in 2 Timothy that defines that, at least for me, and I want to read it to you. 2 Timothy 2 22 26. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness or right living, faith, love, and peace, along with those that call on the Lord with a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach or teachable, not resentful, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Inside out. That's what it means to be a right living believer like, Cain, or like Abel, rather. Inside out. First, get rid of all the youthful desires or, or, or pursue that. In the original version, it means don't live like a punk. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just kidding. But flee the evil desires of you. It starts inside. I like the King James. Flee youthful lusts. 
Exercise faith, love, peace, inside stuff. And then it goes to your fellow Christian. Along with those who call on the Lord of the pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. So whether so you treat your fellow Christian, you don't, you don't use bad words or quarrelsome words or foolish, dumb arguments that don't help build up other Christians in the church. And then it goes to the outside. When you're dealing with people that don't know the Lord, be gentle with them. Tell them the truth, but tell them in love. That's what it means to live like Abel, from the inside out, okay? Now, Cain was the polar opposite of Abel. Okay, in fact, in 1 John 3, 11 and 12, it says this. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. He was the polar opposite of Abel. Instead of being filled with faith and with the Holy Spirit and having sincere motivations and love for God, instead of being submiss- submitted to God and living right, a righteous life or having right living and spiritual fruit, he was in bondage to a whole bunch of awful things that kill the life of faith. Now I want to give you these faith killers before I go to my last point here today. Because we don't want to be like Cain. We want to be like Abel. Living the faith life. Okay? But some of the faith killers in Abel's life, we might be able to relate to, we want to avoid these at all costs. And let me give you these. Some of the faith killers that were in Abel's life, first of all, he was consumed by envy and jealousy, wasn't he? crickets, okay? He was filled with envy and jealousy, okay? He hated the fact that his brother was accepted by God and he wasn't. You know what they call jealousy or envy? The desire to have everyone else just as unsuccessful as we are. And that was Cain. He, and he also was possessed by anger and hatred and rage and bitterness and resentment. I'll tell you this from experience whether it's myself or anyone else in the body of Christ, if we are nursing anger, hatred, or rage, or bitterness, or resentment against someone else, be they Christian or not, we will destroy our own spirituality. We will not be able to move one step forward, no matter how many little vegetable and fruit offerings we bring God. We can't go one step farther than he wants us to, that, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Do not give the, let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. Give rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. We're told in the Ephesians chapter four. Bitterness, rage, and anger are, and rage and resentment are satanically originated. And it could start with a toehold, then go to a foothold, and then it could go to a stronghold, and we are stuck for the rest of our lives if we don't, before the Lord, forgive John or Jane Doe for what they said or did it in our lives. You don't have to go to the person, but you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive John or Jane Doe for what they said, what they did, how they made me feel. Feel those emotions. Be honest. Well, well, that's then. This is now. That's water under the bridge. No, that's, that's not how it goes. That's not how it works. And Cain just held that... And look what he did. He, he murdered Abel. And we murder people every day. I've murdered people so many times. 
I've probably committed a thousand murders in my heart. And then the Holy Spirit says, you need to forgive Debbie for what, I mean, you need to forgive people for what she did. Just kidding. Little comic relief there because I never have to forgive her for stuff. But, but we have to do that or we'll be like Cain. Some of you have people you need to forgive in your heart before the Lord. You can't go one step farther if you don't. I'm telling you that out of love. Another thing that he did, he was possessed by selfishness and self-effort and greed. The little book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation in verse 11, says this. He's paired up with some greedy guys. It says, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Uh, Cain is kind of intertwined with Balaam, who is greedy and selfish. And then Cain didn't guard against sin. God said, sin's right there crouching. You better deal with it. But he didn't guard against sin. He ignored sin at his own peril. And some of you are on the lip, the cusp, the edge of sin. And God is saying to you this morning, Beware, it's crouching at the door of your life. Run, don't walk to the nearest exit from that sin that you're contemplating. And then Cain was full of violence and the loss of self-control. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and what? Self-control. Obviously, he did not have the Spirit within him. And he had an unexamined heart and life. Cain had no healthy self-introspection. You can't be, and there is morbid self-introspection when you go too far, but there's healthy self-introspection. That's what our devotions each day are about, healthy self-introspection about what God's talking to us about and then repenting and turning to Christ. You don't have daily walk with God, you got no walk with God. Sunday morning is not enough. And he had an unexamined heart and an unexamined life. He didn't know or want to know himself. And then he was stubborn and rebellious against God. I just think it's so profound. Going back to Genesis, when God said stuff to Abel, and, or excuse me, Cain, and Cain just didn't even respond, not even with a word. It just blows my mind. Okay? He said, Cain, you're angry. Your face is downcast. If you gave me your life and your offerings with the right attitude, um, um, it would be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, it's cr- sin is crushing at your door. This is interesting. Watch this. In, in, in Genesis 4, verse 10, sin is crouching at your door, it desires to have you, but you must master it. And not a word from, from Cain. And it just goes, now Cain and his brother Abel uh, said to his brother, now let's go out into the field. He just he didn't even respond to God. He's stubborn and rebellion. You know, stubbornness and rebellion doesn't mean you have waving a flag of rebellion. Oh, I'm rebelling against God. No, silence may be the greatest rebellion against God that there is. Just not responding to God. 
And maybe for a, a day or a week or a month or a year, God has been saying to you, listen, I want you to respond to me, and you've been responding with silence. That's the way of Cain. And Cain lived in denial. In verse nine, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Me? Me, am I my brother's keeper? He was a perpetual denier of what God was trying to say to him and a perpetual victim and a blamer. It's everybody else's fault, it's not my fault. I found in life that I gotta look at myself first and not the other person. Yeah, sometimes it's the other person's fault, but I need to go to myself first. That's what God wants me to do. And ultimately, he lacked salvation and he was cursed for life, we read in verses 10 and 11. These are faith killers. These make us more like Cain than Abel. Okay, and that brings us to the last reason here, that Abel was such a great example of faith. He worshiped God with a better sacrifice of faith from inside his heart. In his heart, his motives were pure. Not just with his lips like Jesus said, but from his heart. And then he, he worshiped God, he was, as he worshiped God, he was commended by God for his righteous life or right living. And then finally, Abel uh, was a great example of faith because he had a legacy for God that is still alive or living. Look at the third one here in verse four of chapter 11. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. Wow. He's speaking, but he's dead? He's talking about legacy here. Legacy. Legacy is a powerful thing. Everyone leaves a legacy. Everyone leaves something behind. You say, oh, well, in fact, we just did a, a memorial yesterday for Tamara. Tamara Arietta, who used to attend here and did, worked in the uh, sound booth area. And uh, she left a legacy. She had some rough times in her life, some real valleys. But she also left a positive legacy. Everybody leaves a legacy. Everybody. Nobody does not leave a legacy. Good, but indifferent or bad, we all live a legacy. James Moffat said, death is never the last word in the life of a righteous man. When a man leaves this world, be he righteous or unrighteous, he leaves something in the world. He may leave something that will grow and spread like a cancer or a poison, or he may leave, he may leave something like the fragrance or perfume or a blossom of beauty that permeates the atmosphere with blessing. Everybody leaves a legacy. And as mankind's first murderer, Cain had a legacy, and a very negative one at that. In fact, if we, now I'm not gonna do it, I didn't even have them put on the screen, but if you go up to verses 23 and 24 in Genesis chapter four, uh, 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 a, a descendant of, um, of uh, Cain also committed murder. Oh, you know, I gotta do this. Pardon me for taking so much time, but verse 23 and 24, uh, a, a short descendant of uh, Cain was Lamech, and it says in verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. An illegitimate murder. And so we all leave a legacy. We affect people that we leave behind. But Abel's legacy um, was a positive one. He speaks even though he is dead. I mean, what greater things can be said about a person than to have left a good legacy? Martin Luther, the reformer, said of Abel, quote, that he who, when he was actually alive, 
could not teach even his only brother by his faith and example, now that he is dead, teaches the whole world. In other words, he is more alive than he's ever been before. Will you and I be more alive after we die than we've ever been alive on this earth? Well, the answer is if we are like Abel and live by faith and trust in Christ and, 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 and live a, a, a righteous life or a right living life through the Holy Spirit's power. And we will. Okay, because we're leaving, we're, we're an example and we're leaving a legacy. Okay? There's a lot of power in that. St. Francis once called to one of his young monks, let's go down to the town to preach. And the novice, delighted at being singled out to be the companion of St. Francis of Assisi, quickly obeyed. And they passed through the principal streets, turned down many of the byways and alleys, and made their way out to some of the suburbs, and at length returned by a winding route to the monastery gate. And as they approached it, the younger man reminded Francis of his original intention. He said, you forgot, Father, that we went down to the town to preach. My son, Francis, replied, we have preached. We were preaching while we were walking. We've been seen by many. Our behavior has been closely watched. It was thus that we preached our morning sermon. It is of no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. Our lives speak louder than words, is what he was saying. That could genuinely be said of Abel. Though none of his words have been preserved, he has been eloquently preaching for thousands and thousands of years about, about authentic faith. And so that's our first member of the Hall of Faith, Abel. Are we like him? We can be if we're not. All we need to do is offer a better sacrifice of faith. In other words, live sincerely every day. Let God do house cleaning in our heart every day. Okay? Let him clean our heart, our motives. Surrender to his power and his grace and his mercy and his love every day and then prepare for Sunday on Saturday night. Come in hot for Jesus. Look for someone to encourage. Worship the words or the God through the words that we're singing. Thank you, wonderful worship team this morning. Amen. And I mean, if, if, if we're gonna be provided with a, a team like that and words like that, we ought to be worshiping. Have our lives be a better sacrifice and be commended to, by God for a righteous life. Faith without works is dead. And then leave a legacy. Understand that we're leaving one and then everything in our power by the Holy Spirit, leave a legacy as much as we can. Now, to finish this sen- uh, sermon, I wanna, I wanna just use this. The truth is, all of humanity is divided between the Cains and the Abels. Okay, the, the Cains and the Abels. Okay, it's humanity is divided between the Cain, insincere religion, dead religious works, human reasoning, lack of repentance for sin, self-effort, rebellion, fleshliness, opposition to God and his way of faith, and remaining unsaved with a wicked heart. Cain's or Abel's, inducted into God's heavenly family, okay? Because they worshiped Jesus Christ, with a total reliance on him, as a sincere worshiper in faith, not by works, but by grace, okay? 
That's Abel. Okay, Cain's or Abel's? Cain, unsaved, or Abel, fully committed. Cain, sacrifice rejected by God, a fake sacrifice. Abel, a real sacrifice of faith in Christ from the heart. The way of Cain or the way of Abel? Eternity apart from God, eternity with God. You and I have to decide the way of Cain, the way of Abel. Dead works, rejection by God. Life through Christ and acceptance by God. A hardened heart conquered by bitterness and sin, lost forever, or a heart that responds positively to God's offer of salvation through faith in Christ and lives for him with everything, every way that they can. It's every person's choice. I hope you choose the way of Abel. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for uh, what you've taught us today. Um, These Hall of Faithers, these Faith Hall of Fame members can teach us a lot about good stuff and then tough stuff. As we go through these in Hebrews 11, help us to always choose the person uh, that is living in faith and how they did it. Boy, oh boy, Father, are they filled. So, so many of them are filled with, with flaws. Thank goodness, Lord, that the Hall, Faith Hall of Fame members are, have flaws because we do too, but that doesn't keep them from living in faith. Teach us to live the exciting, fruitful, joyful, fulfilling, better way of faith as we go through these places. And if there's anybody here this morning that's, that's uh, living the life of Cain, I mean, they're bringing their sacrifice. It looks good on the outside, but on the inside, they're filled with themselves and not Christ. Then may they turn to you, Jesus, and become a member of your family like Abel was. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Find someone you might not know or haven't seen for a while and let them know, hey, we're glad you're here today, okay? God bless you as you leave.